What's up, man? Where you from? Yo, I know you hear me talking to you. I say, are you talking to me? It was so foggy out I couldn't tell you apart from your stupid first. Yes, you've caught me. I'm not from here. I come from... Ah! You stabbed me. Get him, he's not from around here! Good evening. We're here to discuss the tale of the man who almost cheated. Young Tyler was down at Virginia Commonwealth University, where he was dating his first long-term girlfriend. He had reason to believe that she had been unfaithful to him previously before joining him at school. He was right, but he wouldn't know that for some years to come. He had been working at a TGI Fridays in Richmond, Virginia. He enjoyed it there. A lot of his co-workers were pleasant. There was one girl. Her name escapes me. Let's call her Debbie. She looked like the kind of innocent young woman who had never even seen a penis, let alone put one in her mouth. But Tyler was shocked one day to hear from his friend Sean that Sean had in fact been sleeping with Debbie. Sean had a girlfriend. Everyone in the TGI Fridays knew it. Tyler was taken aback, shocked to find out that Debbie knew her way around a penis, even more shocked to know that she was fine with being the side piece to Sean. He had a lot to think about. He knew that his girlfriend was cheating on him, well, not knew it, knew it, but he knew it enough for him. And then he thought, well, Debbie and I are pretty close. What if she liked my penis too? And thus began, or continued, a friendship that had already begun. Except for now, one of the participants had a sinister motive, to sleep with his friend. Well, as time would have it, Eventually, Tyler's girlfriend decided to leave school and head back home. During this time, he was alone and had basically given up on trying to save that relationship. He figured she was cheating on him the moment that she was out of his sight. So, his friendship with Debbie moved closer and closer to more. And then, he decided that he would ask Debbie on a date. Knowing that she knew he had a girlfriend, he thought that this was a risky maneuver. But he also knew that since he hadn't actually told her he was interested in her naked body, she might just be willing to go out thinking it's a friend date. He asked her to see the remake for Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. They both enjoyed the film, and nothing really happened while they saw it. He thought perhaps he would put his arm around her or hold hands, and that didn't happen. However... On the way out of the movie theater, Debbie grabbed his hand. And in his mind, it was on. So, back they head 
to Tyler's dorm room. On the way there, they did hold hands in the car, and he began to get the exciting feeling that insertion was possible. As they pulled into his parking garage, he was happy. As they went up to the third floor, he noticed some headlights behind his car. Once he had parked, he realized that those headlights were in fact the girlfriend who had left school to move back home with her mother. She was following them. He thought about the best way to go about things and she was speeding towards them and they were already parked. Should he tell Debbie to wait in the car while he got out hoping that the girlfriend didn't see Debbie in the car? No, he thought he would play it the opposite, bold and fast. He got out with Debbie, walking towards his dorm room, but he was cut off by his possessed girlfriend. She wanted to know who Debbie was. She was irate and angry. Debbie was confused. She thought that this girlfriend was gone and she hadn't committed to anything physical, so now she was put in an awkward position. Tyler told Debbie to just keep walking as the girlfriend followed them into the dorm room she technically didn't have access to. Up in the dorm room, she began to scream and yell and curse at Debbie. Tyler, giving up hope that he would sleep with Debbie on this day, told her it's okay if you leave. I know how awkward this is. Then he and his girlfriend continued to argue for several more hours until he finally gave in, had sex with her, and continued the horrible relationship that they had. Thank you for your time. This has been the tale of the man who almost cheated. I was just thinking back on all of the experience that I have with uh, rejection and I've certainly got a lot more of it than I have experience with rejecting people. I feel like that comes with being a man. But thinking back on some of the ways that uh, I rejected people, it's kind of sad and funny. Like, all right, there was this girl in marching band, and she was chubby. And at the time, even though I don't think I ever dated a fat woman, dated a former fat person, dated people who were like close to being chubby, but I've never actually gone big. Um, this particular girl, and big girls were really the only girls who liked me from the sixth grade up through 20, well, up to like 19. Um, <clears throat> this one, her name was Susan. She was very friendly, funny, thought I was funny back when everybody that I met thought I was the most obnoxious person that ever walked the planet. Um, the problem was that I had a crush on a girl named Nicole. And even if I didn't have a crush on Nicole, I wouldn't have been attracted to Susan. But Susan made it very known to everyone in the marching band that she liked me, which left me in the position of, okay, because, oh, I should mention, Nicole had a boyfriend. So I liked her, but I had no chance. And so there was no really good reason not to entertain Susan, but I just refused. And when it came down to it, I had to pull her aside and just tell her, 
Um, I'm just not attracted to you. And that was a difficult thing to do. Uh, there was another woman. This was, I was like 25-ish, and she was like 22. Um, again, very nice girl. I met her through a friend, uh, I think while we were doing a college show. And she, I wasn't very attracted to her physically, but her personality, I thought... Maybe I can make this work. Maybe looks aren't everything. So I tried. We went out a couple of times. She came back to my place back when I lived with my friends Nelson and Kevin and played rock band with us for a while. She was fine with my smoking and smoking and drinking, and I was like, okay. And then came the low point for me, which was she asked me one day to go with her to a jazz festival. Anyone who is a follower on social media of mine, if you've ever been on Spotify, you have never once seen me listening to jazz. And so I have this thing. I don't like doing anything I don't want to do. Ever. So if my wife asked me to do something and I'm doing it, that means that I wanted to do it, even if I just wanted to do it for her. But one thing that I have a really hard time forcing myself to do is anything I don't want to do. I am still a child on the inside because when I hear something I don't want to do, if I think about doing it, I can see me as a child like beginning to slump while standing and not falling to hit the ground, but I used to do this weird pout thing and my mother hated it because I would basically just go like limp, almost like I had no bones. Let's say it was time to go to church and I would be, that was a fight every Sunday, and I would just start like moping and walking slow, hoping that she would just go, you know what, since you're going to be an asshole, never mind. Go back to bed and enjoy your Sunday morning. So when she asked me if I wanted to go to this jazz thing with her, my first thought was, fuck no. So I told her I would think about it. Bear in mind, we've gone out a few times this feel like a pretty normal thing if things are going in the right direction. Well, sadly, I can tell you that I just completely stopped talking to her. I never called or texted her back after that offer. And when it had passed the jazz festival, I thought, okay, now that the jazz festival is over, I don't ever need to talk to her again because she's aware of the fact that I didn't want to go. And, yeah, I, one night, randomly, I saw her at a, a show that was in a bar in D.C., and that was, like, four years later. But, um, yeah, she seems to be doing well, though. I uh, just saw, like, some Facebook status of hers, and I was like, oh, yeah. And she seems very happy, very religious, and I just laughed, remembering, oh yeah, we haven't spoken since you asked me to go to see jazz with you. Um, so yeah, those are 
I think the best of me rejecting people, uh, honorable mentions, go out to this guy Isaiah that uh, I was in choir with in high school. He hit on me for a solid like year and a half. Um, and of course, I, I told him immediately, I'm not gay. And you might ask, why would you immediately have to tell him you're not gay? It's because he said something like, wildly sexual and hilarious to me the first time that we spoke to one another. I don't remember what he called me, but he made this sound after he said it, but I could tell that it was supposed to have been some kind of a sexual compliment. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I thought, I thought Isaiah was one of the funniest people I have ever met, and I still do. Like, at first, because I'll admit, there was some homophobia in me when I was a kid. Um, mostly just because I had a lisp, so everybody thought I was gay, and it made me really mad because I wasn't gay, and I knew it. I thought about it. As soon as everybody figures out what gay is, I think everybody owes it to themselves to ask, like, am I? And I thought about it. The thought of touching a man repulses me. But... I think Isaiah was very instrumental in me getting through that because only after I felt comfortable being friends with him did I, I feel secure in my own sexuality. And I'm glad that we met because I needed to get over that. A lot of good gay people that I've met through the years and who wants to be a hateful bigot? Um... But the reason that I'm telling all this about Isaiah is after I got past it, we were friends. And I remember there was a day that this girl had just shit all over my heart and feelings. And uh, I was kind of feeling depressed about it. And we were having a, a choir practice. But for some reason, we were in the auditorium. I don't remember why, but I do remember that while we were doing something, the choir teacher told me, uh, excuse me, could you stop doing that? I can see your penis. Because we were wearing, like, um, leggings. I don't remember why again. But, so I'm depressed, and I'm sitting down in the auditorium. And uh, Isaiah comes over. And he puts his hand on my leg because he's like trying to console me. And I, I'm receptive to the conversation, but my eyes haven't left his hand on my leg since he started talking. And he was talking for a while. So then he eventually like takes his hand off my leg and he was like, you know, when you're ready to feel better, I will shove your face in my dussy, and you'll swear that you were in heaven. And then we had a long, long laugh, because that was so nasty, and it came so out of left field, because even though his hand was on my leg, he was being a good friend prior to getting overtly sexual. And, uh, yeah, he just gave some of the funniest sayings, like he would click his mouth like I did before, I'll do it again. And he would say, you're just mad because you're not but a scotch. And he would change his voice in a way that is hard for me to do now in my old age. But, uh, yeah, very funny dude. And I think that he's probably the only honorable mention. But since I gave some stories of 
people who got rejected by me, why not share a couple of my best rejections? Um, I guess just because I wasn't really a club person like that, I will never forget a time that myself and a comic named Jared were uh, in this huge like nightclub, and I saw this like older-ish woman. And okay, so I was like twenty. Four. And I'm gonna guess that she was like 32. So she wasn't like older, older, but I could look at her and tell like she's a little bit older than me, but that is old woman. So I'm like, Jared, follow me. I'm feeling good. I feel like I look good. I'm ready. We make our way across this dance floor. And the thing is, like, it is full. But it's not that full. Like, it's like 70% a full dance floor. You can still, like, easily see everything that's going on. We make our way over, and I'm like, all right, Jared, you're going to talk to the other one. Be a good wingman, because Jared really didn't have interest in getting anything done that evening. So Jared comes over, and he's not addressing the other one. Like, I come over, and I immediately start speaking to the woman that we walked all the way over there for. He's kind of behind me like a bitch. So, I forget what I asked her, but I did ask if she wanted to dance. And she didn't answer me. She just turned around and started talking to her friend again. <clears throat> Which led me to turn to Jared, who, even though he wasn't looking at the three of us, was aware of what was going on. And, uh... Without turning around, he's just like, you ready to walk back over there now? And I was like, yep, here we go. And then we walked over to the bar where I learned, and this is why, another reason why I remember this day so well, I learned that a Long Island iced tea doesn't actually have iced tea in it. I had never had one because I don't like tea. And I was like, oh, it doesn't. And I had one, and I was like, hmm, this tastes good. Then I had two more. And that's also when I learned just how strong they are, because I couldn't keep both eyes open. So, interesting night, nice rejection. Another shout-out's going to go to a, a friend of mine from high school. First time I tried to kiss her, she hit me with the lean back. And uh, I've only had a couple, so I remember <laughs> the ones that happen. And even though there's no music playing... It's still like you can hear a record scratch in your mind. And then you're like, well, where do I go from here? Okay, children. Our next speaker for today's career day will be Mr. Thomas Rangel. Please give a warm hand, everybody. Well, thank you, Mr. Kavanaugh. Hello. Hi. Thank, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Okay, let's, let's stop. Thank you. Now, although I work in human resources, I am here to let you know that just because you enforce the rules doesn't mean that you don't get to be fun. Okay, now between the hours of 9 and 5, I'm human resources. You mess up around the office, I'm the sheriff that you got to come deal with. Right now, from five to about 
2, 3 a.m. I am the gayest man that you will ever meet. You can't get within three feet of me if you don't want to get sucked or something. It's nasty what I do in the after hours. All right, we got any gay students out here today? Yes, some of you look like you could pass for legal. I'm kidding, Mr. Callahan, relax. Um, bet we got some closeted people in here as well. They're everywhere. I grew up with them. Don't you be ashamed of being teased by people. Because the same ones who teased me were the same ones who were trying to get at me a little bit later, talking about, can I see it? Well, if I show it to you, what are you going to do? Because if your saliva is not going to be on it, I can keep it right where it is. Thank you. Mr. Callahan does not look like he has much of a sense of humor about that stuff. He's probably salivated on one or two of them. So, all right, all right, calm down. Get your hands off me. I'm leaving. Oh, wait. I just remembered one. Okay, this is a rejection from, I want to say, my sophomore year of high school. So, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, it's New Year's Eve. I remember that DMX's Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood just came out because I bought that while we were there. Don't ask me why I remember that about Jacksonville, but I remember making my, uh, my teacher stop so that we could go in this mall because I really needed to have that CD right then. So we go to this party and... You know, it's a it's a New Year's Eve party, but it's it's really fancy. Um, our marching band was playing in the Gator Bowl. That's why we were in Jacksonville, and there were a lot of marching bands playing in that Gator Bowl, uh, and we were all in the same party, which was actually not bad. Like I remember, there was a fair amount of good-looking young women there because most of them didn't go to our school. And so for the marching band nerds all together, it almost felt like we had some kind of a cool party happening. And again, fancy party. There was one girl. She looked great. And as soon as I saw her, my buddy Jason saw her. Jason was a good-looking guy. I'm a good-looking guy, and I was a good-looking kid. But Jason's a better-looking guy. It's okay to know if somebody's better-looking than you. And he was the kind of little black kid who had, like, colored contact lenses, so girls loved his eyes. He probably, I mean, I think he had good eyes anyway, but he was wearing colored lenses for a little while. Nothing you can do. So Jason, um, I believe we spoke about it, and I had accepted defeat but Jason took the girl that I just thought was incredible. And wouldn't you know, the incredible girl is with a friend. Why do good-looking people always have friends? So Jason's, you know, talking to her. And I'm, I'm friends with Jason, and I think there was one other dude that I was close to at the time. So I am kind of designated for her friend. And her friend, 
her friend is not that good looking, but at the time, she didn't look that bad. Why? Because the lights were dimmed and we were dancing. So it was a very clubbish atmosphere for all of us marching band nerds. It is funny that two of these rejections took place with marching band. There are more on both sides, but who likes to talk about marching band? So I spend the night dancing with this woman. And I remember when midnight struck, I look over and I see Jason all over the perfect looking girl. And she is all over him back. And I was like, damn it. And the friend is in front of me now, because I think we've both seen that they're making out, and they met a few seconds before we met. So it's that feeling in the air of, will we? I'm thinking, won't we? We will not. So she looks at me. Everybody's making out. 1999 is blaring. And I gave her a big old hug. Because I was like, nah, I'm not kissing you. Like, the lights weren't great, but I had an idea of what was there. But I will say, thinking back on that night, she looked, in that light, more like a seven. Maybe a six and a half, because I wasn't really that attracted to her. Um, The next day. The next day is the Gator Bowl. So we are at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Everything is going great. I don't remember if all of the bands were seated in the the stadium close to one another. But yeah, eventually people from the night before started running into each other out there. I think that we have already played at this point. So now, and they took us out on a halftime field, you know. Looking back, it wasn't horrible. Did I love marching band? No, but that was a pretty cool memory to have. And I think I still have some proof that I was at the Gator Bowl way back then, hidden amongst my jewels. Anyway, so we're sitting there. I remember I'm eating, and uh, the perfect girl comes back over because I'm next to Jason, even though he played saxophone. I, I was a trumpet person. So here comes the perfect girl, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I mean, that girl is in her band. She has to go to the same school as her, which means she's coming too. So the other girl shows up as well. Now that I'm seeing her in the daylight, I realize, one, it was very good that I didn't make out with this person. Her skin was horrible, and I know I know that like bad skin isn't contagious, but for some reason, because if you've ever seen the medical like pictures of what happens like under some of the layers of skin when you have like a zit or oily discharge and things that people with bad skin have, like uh, proactive. Proactive commercials. You remember how they always used to show us what's going on on their faces? I I know. Bad skin is not necessarily your fault. Not your choice. But I can't. I can't have it touch my skin. I just can't. So her skin was bad. And she had... It wasn't red hair. Do you know when people dye their hair? The color red. I don't like... I don't like calling them redheads. You are not a redhead. That's not how people with 
red hair look. You look like someone who has dipped their head in Kool-Aid. And she had some of that going on. And I hate it. I really do. I don't even like watching porn with that. Like, if I've searched redhead, don't show me those people. You are not. So, more reason why I want nothing to do with this young girl. Earlier in the day, my friend Angelo had been doing the Dirty Bird, for those that remember that dance. It's simple. YouTube it. Um, he was doing it trying to get on the, uh, the jumbo screen. And when I saw the two of them arrive to talk to Jason, and maybe me a little bit, I jumped up and joined Angelo in doing the Dirty Bird. We did get on the Jumbotron, because we did the Dirty Bird for about 15 minutes. I just kept doing the Dirty Bird with him. And the girl, let's call her Karen, the girl was asking... Would I come say goodbye? We're never going to see each other again. And as I dirty bird while eating, I'm just saying, I can't. It was nice to meet you last night, but we got a dirty bird. If we're ever going to get on that Jumbotron, have a nice life. And it was one of the ruder things because everybody was there and everybody saw that I wouldn't. And even though she didn't know the people in my school, I'm sure she didn't love getting told no to even like a goodbye hug or something. But who's to know if she was going to try to sneak in a little kissy kiss on the way out? And some people ask for a kiss on the cheek and move their face. I did that once. I think that counts as a rejection too. But hopefully if she ever thinks back to the one time, maybe, that she went to the Gator Bowl. She doesn't remember me as being a huge asshole. And I hope that she got to see us on the Jumbotron so that she knows I made it. Let's see it.